morning, Wrestling Inc. It is me, your sultry, jazz-singing, Wrestling Inc. managing editor, Nick Hausman, back with the last episode of The Winkly for the week, and then I'm going to rest my voice here for a couple days. Uh, I am joined here this Thursday, as I am just about every Thursday, by my good friend, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to The Winkly. I think once you finish the show, you should do what uh, Bash does in that one episode of Glow, where he just like whispers the entire time. You know, uh, there's a lot of uh, my girlfriend Liz likes to compare me to Bash quite often from uh, several scenes, and of course, if you've watched this season of Glow, uh, there's a particular scene with Bash where uh, I became very, a little uncomfortable with the correlation. I'll just say that uh, if you know if you get my drift. I do think I get your drift beautiful grab a big old handful of that drift all right we got a we got a big show here today why do i feel like my voice is worse today than it was yesterday i'm like struggling here today um because you continue to keep you continue to keep talking i won't rest it i won't shut up i know all right we got a big show here for you today um we got a lot of news man it was a big news day the last 24 hours as well uh, but we also got some uh, a special audio content for you here today. Uh, no interviews from me, but right after the news, you're going to hear an interview from our good friend Andy Malnoski, who chatted with WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler up at the gathering, uh, rec- the recent wrestling convention, The Gathering. So you're going to get to hear from Jerry today. Uh, we're also going to roll out more of the audio from the StarCast 3 media scrums. Uh, today, you're going to also get to hear... From Orange Cassidy and Dean Malenko. Man, what a murderer's rota in the week. Jerry Lawler, Orange Cassidy, and Dean Malenko. That's quite an uh, eclectic mix there. What if those three walked into a bar? It sounds like a great start of a great joke. <laughs> I got a tiny Orange Cassidy in my pocket. All right. Anyway, I'm hilarious. Uh, let's get to it here. <laughs> this is hard for me to... The inflection thing is really hard. It's all just monotone. All right. Let's get to like, it here. Like- it's like doing a podcast with Ben Stein. It is. Welcome to the Winkly, where you can win big money by beating me in trivia. Okay, uh, let's get to it here. News you can use. News that will leave a bu- leave a Bueller. Jesus Christ, Bueller. <laughs> news you can <laughs> use. News that will leave a bruise. We'll start it off here today uh, with a with kind of like three segment story. Are you just shut up, man? I'm trying really hard right now. This is difficult for me. <laughs> Talking is hard. All right. Um, the Observer reporting big WWE creative team shakeups. Uh, a- another round of these. Uh, Ryan Ward had been working as the lead writer for SmackDown, but he is now out. The official word is that he's out on personal leave, but we've noted how Vince McMahon has been making heavy edits to the SmackDown brand TV scripts as of late, and there's been apparently an internal feeling that some sort of change at SmackDown was inevitable. Uh, with Ward gone from SmackDown, Ed Koski will now be moving uh, over to SmackDown. Koski's been working as the Raw head writer. Uh, he has been with WWE for more than 18 years, and he'll be working uh, with four uh, Ghost of a Man, SmackDown executive director Eric Bischoff uh, for now. Uh, Koski is currently WWE's uh, vice president of creative writing. He's also worked for WWE as their top writer for more than 10 years. Uh, the new Raw lead writer will be Jonathan Backstrom. He'll be working under Raw executive director Paul Heyman. Backstrom has been working as the lead writer for 205 Live since November 2016. But he was moved from the show because Heyman brought him over to the Red Band brand when he was hired as executive director. The Raw and SmackDown writing teams are being split up before the official talent roster split. 
that comes during the second week of October, which we'll get to here in just a second. We'll put a button in it there. Uh, Justin, what do you make of the shuffling of the creative teams here? I mean, I think it was inevitable based upon, you know, you're shuffling, preparing for the, the shows and the splits and the move to Fox and you, know, you get Bischoff and Heyman in there. And obviously there's just, you know, there's just things that need shuffled and you need to have your best foot forward. I mean, but I, I, I you know, being a WWE creative writer might be the toughest job in entertainment, given the situation, uh, the, the travel, the workload, the pay. Um, you know, they're never praised. They're only blamed. And if something is done really well, then the talent gets all the credit, you know, whether it's rightly or wrongly uh, deserved. Um, you know, I mean, to, to me, outside looking in too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, the head chef doesn't make this easy. And we know who that is. Um, uh, you know, this mentioned, let's see, I mean, I, you know, Ed Koski has been around for a long time. Um, you know, which obviously he's been doing something right to, I mean, you know, cause to, to be in that, to be in that, that world of creative writer and to be, have lasted for that long. You know, that's that talk about survival. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the new guy being moved over to the Raleigh writer, John, uh, Backstrom. Um, you know, I, from what I understand, he's a young, you know, young guy, relatively <laughs> speaking in terms of, you know, like around 30 ish. So, I mean, that could be good. You know, somebody sure. who's got some fresh, fresh blood, fresh eyes, fresh perspective. Um, I, I think the kind of the question then becomes what the question is with everybody that gets moved into a new spot in the creative is, is how long, how long can they last? You know, how long until they gets till almost the joy just gets beat out of them. You know, maybe it'll be different working, for Paul Heyman um, and, and Paul being the one that gets the a lot of the day to day control of the raw brand, if that in fact is is how it's happening. So we'll, I, we'll see. But I, yeah, not not surprise or shakeups. I did I did find it interesting the little difference here when they talked about the brands and these writing shakeups. Uh, Koski is going to be working with Eric Bischoff. Uh, Jonathan Backstrom is going to be working under Paul Heyman. That's what the report here says. So I just thought that was a little interesting thing to point out here. Uh, you know, with the, all the, the talk about Eric trying to get acclimated here, Koski here is probably the most senior writer, one of their most senior writers underneath Vince, um, working directly with Eric. You know, I, do, I really, honestly, I have no idea. I haven't heard anything about what Eric is doing at WWE, and I've asked around, and nobody really seems to know. I don't know. Have you heard uh, what his influence no. or his presence has been like at SmackDown? Anything about it? I know he's there. <laughs> That's about as much as I know. I know he's physically there, I, mean, but I don't heard. know anything more. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, the other question I had here was about 205 Live, not a question, more of an observation, with Jonathan being moved up to to work with Paul. Um, you know, yesterday we were talking about how they don't really use the cruiserweights at all on their shows. Now the 205 Live brand doesn't even have a lead writer, or I'm guessing it does, or they're going to put somebody well, in Well, no, there. it does. They, 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 they probably move somebody else into that role, I'm we sure. You don't know who that is. It's not listed here as part of the report. Well, they may not even know at this very moment or by the time the report came out, but I'm sure, just, just as you would, kind of, you know, I'm sure it's now going to be an opportunity for some other writer who's had less time there to now get just, that as a responsibility and prove himself, just, just as just as John apparently did. I just wonder if come October, you know, there's been a lot of talk about what they do at that third hour after SmackDown. I wonder if this isn't a sign that maybe, I don't know, where they're going to change it up. Maybe no more 205 Live, maybe something else in that spot. I don't know. I just, I, 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 keep, I, I keep wondering why they just don't do anything or don't push this brand. I wonder if it's because they know inherently it's going to be gone here in a little bit and they've got something else in store, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're. I mean, the third hour is a very valid point, so it's possible. But but if it is going to remain a show, yeah, I'm, I'm sure somebody else will get that responsibility. And again, it'll be just as it was for the previous guy. It'll be it'll be a chance to to prove, hey, what can you do when when we give you this 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 toy? Can you what can you do with it? Um. Well, uh, the uh, we put a button in it where it left off that they uh they're going to have official talent split come October. That is because the Observer and the Post double credit here. I don't know who came first, chicken or the egg, but they both are saying. 
The uh, WWE draft is going to take place in October. It'll be a two-night draft. It's scheduled to begin on uh, Friday, October 11th uh, at Smack uh, the SmackDown episode from Vegas. Um, it began on Friday, October 11th. Oh, yeah, that's so, it's still so confusing to me. Read SmackDown as a Friday night show. That's right. And mm-hmm. then, uh, which will be the second SmackDown Fox episode. The draft will wrap up then uh, on Monday at the Raw from Denver. Uh, that's interest. That's kind of cool that they started on a Friday. Then you got the whole weekend. You're going to have it on, on raw. I don't know. It's just different. I'm so used to back to back shows. Uh, the 2019 draft is part of a series of moves that will be done to freshen up the raw and SmackDown rosters. There will be other changes made in October to help freshen up the shows. Um, and PWInsider.com reporting that both raw and SmackDown will have their own storylines and ideas to give everything a more exclusive feel. Talents have been told that there would be stronger boundaries between the brands come the fall. It's believed that the draft and the related changes planned for October will bring the end to the wild card rule. But uh, we may have to deal with it until then. There's been uh, speculation on WWE continuing to do some cross-promotion between the rosters, at least with some of the top superstars. It was a little thing they did on SmackDown, but when Samoa Joe uh, popped up backstage and said he was there to scout uh, what could be his potential... A final talent there in the in the semifinals ma- or in the quarterfinals matches. And he was scouting that. and He made it clear I'm coming from Raw just to do that. That kind of stuff I think is cool and a little nice to to sprinkle in. If if the wild card rule, if I never hear that again, it will not be too soon. Um, this this sounds great, but again, I feel like this is, we we hear this like every year now. It's like a broken record that they're going to do something like this. Yeah, they go back and forth. They they want a complete separation, then that's not working, then they they merge everything back together. And the thing is, you know, one of the last things you said there, how there's still expected to be some crossover between the main stars. There's going to have to be because we've right. they, they haven't even moved to Fox, and we've already we already saw it happen earlier this year, where the the moment that you know you 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 take Roman Reigns off of uh, Raw and 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 Raw you know Raw viewership declining, and then you take him off Raw to move over to SmackDown, and that shakeup that happened after Mania. And then you have you have USA going. Well, why the hell did you just take them off of uh, you know the show that's that you know the flagship that's got declining ratings? And oh, by the way, you moved them to the show that you know is going to a new network later this year. Like that's only going to get worse. It's it's you know that's only going to get worse at once they truly are once once Fox has um, got SmackDown, they're going to have to have crossover with that top elite group of with Reigns with with Becky with you know you know I mean God whenever Cena pop back up and, and it, 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 if he pops back up and is popping up and just on one show not the other one you know the the the, the execs on the opposing brand are going to say hey we're on the opposing channel is going to go hey what's what's going on here like it this is not going to get any better so like that's the thing they, they keep saying they want this exclusivity feel on each brand and yeah through the mid carters and everything you can but when you're talking about those top the top movers and shakers that's that, that are you know depending on your on your on everything pretty much um they're gonna have to do crossover because it's gonna be like trying to you know it's gonna be like you know two kids here you have to appease you can't get one you know one can't get more christmas presents than the other one i don't know man i think i think I, the argument about reigns uh has uh flared down for me a little bit he's obviously just a smackdown guy we haven't really seen him much on raw uh i like him in that role he's not even in the main event picture they've done i mean they're doing right by him with the second bite of the apple here after he came back from his, his battle with skin cancer and i think that He's gonna. I think that he's in a good spot here. I don't really know that we need uh, too much crossover. I don't think it's like needed. You know, the less of it, the better. I do wonder though with NXT if we'll see more stars pop up on that just to kind of bolster it because there's so much uh, talent there that the the larger fans are not uh, acclimated to yet. But uh, you know, if if this is true, I always think it's better to have separate rosters and storylines and stuff. I think it makes it more unique. Oh, I, 
I know I agree with you. I agree with what is better, but I'm just saying it's not, there's no way they're going to be able to keep complete. It's, it, it's just, it's just not going to happen. And it's toned down with reins. Yes. Um, but man, it was, it would, but that, 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 that was a thing. That was, I mean, that's why they basically started the wild card rules to give the reason. Okay. We, so we can move these top guys we need back and forth. I mean, so it's, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, but I, I'm with you. It's always best if you can have separation. And you can truly give the two shows two identities, um, especially, you know, you know, when it was, when it was at its truest form, when, when Raw and SmackDown truly was, when they truly were, did keep things separated and it truly did feel like two separate brands and they were trying to manufacture their own competition essentially. And in, in the years following when ECW and WCW were gone, and I'm so I'm talking about, you know, early 2000s when it was split, you know, it's it, it always felt completely just a show versus maybe even C show just because Smackdown was taped and it was on Thursday or Friday. It was just, you know, but now the fact that you finally can have both shows live, uh, you know, there's so much money and investment behind Smackdown. Um, and, and then throw the factor in that you actually have the most threatening, it seems possible competition, you know, looming now. Uh, and, and in a long time, you know, th- this would be this will be the truest test. OK, can we have two live shows that are that are looked at equally and that you know, truly can stay separate? Let's see it. I, I'd like to see it. Yeah. Um, well, um, this brings us to we'll talk and we're talking about NXT. Uh, this brings us to our next uh, topic here. The Observer reporting uh, that NXT on USA. This, this report kind of surprised me here. NXT on USA apparently is expected to be a heavily scripted show. Hunter, from what he said recently, will still be running the show, but I guess it's going to be heavily scripted. Now, this is going to be in contrast to AEW, where Meltzer is reporting AEW will not be hiring creative writers. The weekly live AEW TNT show will feature some of the wrestlers coming up with storylines, cutting their own promos, some with bullet points. The AEW wrestlers will be able to memorize their promos if they want to, but it's said that there will be no word-for-word promo work. Several of the promos on this week's Raw were not scripted word for word for whatever reason. So less less scripting on Raw, more scripting on SmackDown, no scripting in AEW. Um, I, I, I'm, uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really interested to see how the AEW thing plays out once they have to do week-to-week storylines, right? Like these one-off big shows have worked really well. There's been tiny stories here and there, you know, Moxie Omega. But when you have to run five, six, seven storylines across a two-hour period of time and everybody's winging it and doing their own thing and throwing their ideas around. This is either going to be spectacular or it will crash and burn horribly. I'll just be honest with you as a theater person. This does, uh, this does make me a little nervous to read a report like that, you know? Well, I mean, AEW, them saying they're not going to hire creative writers, I believe it. I mean, you're, you know, your executive vice presidents are your core booking team with the Bucks and, and, and Kenny and, 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 uh, and, and Cody. And then, and then obviously, you know, they're of course going to let, uh, they're of course going to let all the talent, you know, have say, uh, you know, but what it's going to, but you're right. What it's going to take is, there's going to have to be, you know, the, the, the Billy guns and the Jerry Lynn's and, and, um, it was Malenko with them now, you know, like they're going to have to, those, those producers or agents or, you know, that role that they're, those are going to have to be like the liaisons that are just going to have to, okay, Billy Gunn, you're going to be assigned to, you know, these couple guys, these couple stories, you know, you know, let them, you know, let them, let them fill in the blanks here. Come back to us. Let us know what, it, you know, there's going to have to be, cause you're right. From, you know, as you reference there, you know, like from a theater perspective, I mean, there has to be some communication that, or an, an organization and making sure guys aren't stepping all over each other. Um, I mean, I think this could potentially work, but it, it just, it's going to, it's going to require, it's just going to require organization and somebody's going to have to, you know, be responsible to track, you know, certain see, stories. See, but that's the thing is somebody's going to have to be responsible. And I wonder if in the, in the first couple months, somebody does not rise up as 
the guy that everyone goes to, right? Or maybe even a woman. But I, I wonder if there's somebody in the back that consistently is just going to become the person that's helping to pull things together and will eventually move into a lead. You know, I don't know if they'd want to call it creative, but a booker role. You know, the reason WWE has been able to flourish is because they do have one person that's calling the shots, good or bad, right? I think that Triple H in the role, doing that same role in NXT, they have a guy there that's running the show. Who that is for AEW, I'm not really sure. I will say with Tony Khan, I, I, you know, he is uh, very ambitious. Uh, he's a big fan of, of pro wrestling, but he runs a football entity, right? He runs legitimate sports franchises. And as much as you want to dress up pro wrestling to be a legitimate sport, it's theater. It's a work. It's about storytelling. It's about characters. I don't really know how much this guy knows about the art of doing that. And that's why I wonder if at some point when this thing gets rolling and is really moving, they don't say, hey, we need somebody to pull this together. And, you know, honestly, I'll throw it out there. The person I think that may fall into that role would be Dustin Rhodes. I thought that that, that signing that they uh, they called out a couple weeks ago um, with him becoming, you know, multi-year talent as a performer and, and whatever match creator, whatever producer role. Um, I wonder if he doesn't become that guy over time. I, I he's when I look at the the group of people that could step up into that role, uh, he's just the one that that sprung up to me or stood out to me. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, you you do need a showrunner. You do need you know Vince sits in Gorilla for the most part for on SmackDown. Triple H is sitting there in Gorilla running the show for NXT. Yeah, you do need somebody to you know I know I think Cody has done that for the for the for the big one off shows they've had. I mean, but yeah, you do need somebody who is the showrunner. In general, um, for those two hours. I mean, you know, what AEW does have going for them, though, is that they, you know, you know, part of why WWE does have so many writers and they do have, they do need such, have, they do rely on such heavily scripted stuff is because of the amount of programming they have between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, you know, NXT UK, 205 Live, house shows. I mean, AEW is just going to, right now, at least, just going to have their one show on a Wednesday night, you know, and it doesn't seem like they're going to be doing, like, li- like, recently right now, not they're not going to be doing a non-televised house show. So, that is gonna. That is, you know, that's that. Right now, the way the schedule looks, it does seem reasonable that they can go the route of not as heavily scripted and not needing quote unquote creative writers. But yeah, there's gonna have to be organizations. Somebody is going to be designated as the showrunner for those two hours on Wednesday night. And yeah, I'm, and I'm sure naturally somebody will rise up if it's not already predetermined. Who do you think that will be? Who do you think? Who? I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I think, I think Dustin Rhodes is a great, is a great, I think Dustin's a great choice. Uh, you know, the veteran, he obviously, you know, you know, just like Cody has learned under his father, you know, who was, was one of the best bookers ever. So yeah, I think, I think he's certainly a, a really reasonable choice. Okay. Uh, well, uh, NXT is going to have some firepower here when they debut on September 18th in the form of a, a big, Match, man, this is only two weeks away. Uh, NXT North American champion Velveteen Dream is going to defend his title against Roderick Strong of the Undisputed Era. Uh, so first big match, um, Velveteen Dream is my favorite part of NXT. So, you know, I'm already tuning in, but I'm happy to hear he's going to have a match on the card, you know. Yeah, and what I like about this is I like, um, you know, again, you're moving to USA. So, you know, you got, you know, just a wider appeal. It's not just people who are automatically wrestling fans who are subscribed to the network. I like the fact that you're giving them two great ends of the spectrum you're giving them you know the flamboyant characteristic uh, you know flamboyant um character and and velveteen dream and then you're giving them a very just gritty hard-hitting more sport kind of feel essentially uh, and, and roderick's I, I look this is great um well a talent we may see uh in nxt uh or elsewhere in wwe could be scarlet bordeaux uh squared circle sirens reporting that scarlet received a wwe tryout at the wwe performance center earlier this week there's no word yet on how the tryout went or if WWE will be offering a deal. 
but she did get a tryout. And um, I'd be surprised if she doesn't get signed unless there's just some unless there's a bidding war for her right now and she's getting a, a better offer elsewhere. But again, I've said it a many I've said it a million times. She's easily for me the biggest name. Uh, most desirable unsigned female talent at the moment and will be a great addition to whoever can land her. Do you like her better as a blonde or a redhead? That don't matter to me. She's fine. Depends on what gear she's wearing. White gear, blonde, red gear, or black gear, maybe red. Um, yeah, and I agree. I think she probably is uh, in terms of desirable and, and, and most wanted free agent for the women, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Kevin Owens was not on SmackDown this past week, as noted by many fans, and he is... Uh, Given his reason for why he wasn't on SmackDown via Twitter, he said, I figured if I didn't show up, maybe Shane wouldn't either, and I'd be doing everyone a favor. It worked. Actually, I didn't want to fly out early and leave my family in a potential hurricane. I tried to go to Norfolk today once. I knew I uh, once I knew they'd be safe, but no luck. It's on me. So uh, there you go. Man cares about his family. Good for him. And by the way, for everybody dealing with this hurricane right now, it's still going on. This thing is an absolute monster. Our thoughts are with you. Uh, this thing is this thing's terror terrible. Yeah, it is. Um, and I, and I guess the, demon by those comments that Kevin made, it sounds like obviously he didn't want to fly out of Florida. Obviously, um, I didn't realize. I don't know if I realized that he still was living in Florida. I thought maybe for some reason I might have thought that he maybe moved his family back. That maybe they went back to Canada, but I guess not. Yeah. Well, there you go. Update on Kevin Levin's life. Uh, well, here's something that has got a lot of people buzzing. This morning, uh, TMZ Sports caught up with Ric Flair, the nature boy. Uh, as we've talked about here on the show, he has filed for the trademark to the man. Uh, he has revealed that he filed for the trademark to the man because he claims it's been his moniker since 1981. Uh, now, he wants WWE to pay him when they use the moniker for Becky Lynch. He claims his lawyer called WWE's lawyer and WWE's lawyer blew them off completely. And uh, I'll read a quote here from him. He says, I don't care what WWE thinks of me personally. I know they love me, but obviously they have lost respect for me. He says Charlotte is upset right now that he's fighting so hard for the trademark because she's like best friends with Becky Lynch. And like her feud with Becky is the reason Becky got that moniker in the first place. But he hopes that she and others understand he's just trying to do what's best for him and his family financially. And he jokes that if he doesn't get the trademark, he'll die and they'll put on his tombstone. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have the exact quote, but he died trying to be the man. So there you go. Um, unfortunate. I don't know. I, I Rick is, you know, obviously had money issues over the years. I, I could see the, I could see the logic behind it. Just uh, unfortunate. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it sucks. Well, uh, there's so many weird dynamics here. I mean, obviously he's super close, you know, with with Triple H, and you know, and, and mentions that, and obviously his daughter who works there. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm not a intellectual property expert of, of how you um you know how you fight that and everything and you know what the different defenses are you know on the one hand it's like whenever i think of rick flair and what he's i always think about the phrase i attribute the phrase to be the man Ooh, you got to beat the man i never i never you know i you know just the man isn't I, that to me was not always synonymous with rick you know to me that, that'd be like um you know, that'd be like would uh, be like a chad gable today uh, saying that he's the best, like and highlighting the best, and then Bret Hart coming out saying, "Oh, I'm the best there is, best there was, best there." You know, like so. On that regard, when I, I look at them as two different, I look at you know, I, like I said, I looked at the phrasing more as, as what was owned and 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 the, that Rick should get money for. But then Rick has a defense, and the when you look at it, the fact that WWE and Story launched the campaign of the man in direct correlation with with Becky feuding with. 
Charlotte Flair, who was Rick's daughter. And so they were doing like an obvious play and shot at Charlotte's family. So when you look at how WWE used it, yeah, I can see Rick has a point that that there you know, should be some credit in the way of money given to him. Uh, but when I look at them just as two independent things, I don't think the man is a direct ripoff uh, and something that that. So, so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this gets argued and 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 and, here's, here's and develops. The, here's the bottom line for me: Ric Flair, absolute legend. He's beat death several times now. His daughter is the biggest star in the company. This isn't a story I think that you want out there. It's obvious that Rick is just. I mean, he said it. He's doing it for financial reasons. He wants to make sure that he's. You know, he, this is a this is a, a hail mary for him to be able to financially, I think, take care of a lot of things. If I'm WWE and you know that Ric Flair is in this kind of situation here, rather than going to court and making this negative spectacle, I don't even think Rick is advertised for the SmackDown Fox debut along all the other legends and stuff. So there's obviously some friction there. I would sit down with Rick and say, what's the number here, right? What can we resolve here? We're not going to pay you out every time we say the man on TV with Becky Lynch. Let's come to a figure here and work and, and figure this out. And I would hope that they would be able to do that in this situation because, again, it does seem like a murky area. And, you know, you got all the money in the world here. You're WWE. You tell me you can't come to terms with Ric Flair here on a situation that doesn't seem completely ridiculous, you know? Yeah, I mean, especially on obviously, yeah, like you said, you know, when we, when we find out, you know, the goodwill things that like, you know, you know, like Vince, you know, helping pay for the final the final cost that that, that, that Harley Race, I guess, dealt with and then his final. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, and not to not to say that one person should be valued more. It's not at all what I'm trying to get at here. But obviously, Ric Flair's had a much more um, intimate relationship with WWE as a whole than Harley Race did. I'm not again. I'm not saying that, sure. that Rick is more important than Harley Race, but that, but I think you get what I'm trying to say here. So yeah, I, I agree with you. The fact that let's not have this negative spectacle out there. Let's just help take care of Rick, help him make him feel like he's being respected and compensated for something that he feels that he's. He's developed and owned. And then, of course, again, yeah, his daughter's there and, and you're working for you as one of your top stars. So, like, you don't want to yeah. you don't want, you know, and, and then she's with another one of your rising talents in Andrade. So, yeah, just let's just just end it quietly. Write a check and, and come to some kind of agreement. Yeah. That, well, I hope, let's here's hoping that's the way it goes. Uh, well, good news for WWE Raw. It has been nominated for an E People's Choice Award, uh, the coveted People's Choice Award award. Uh, Raw was nominated for the show of 2019 award uh they're going up against game of thrones gray's anatomy riverdale stranger things the big bang theory the walking dead and this is us what an eclectic group just best television show all across the board not drama comedy everything uh fans you could go vote online um yeah that's the difference with the people's choice award as opposed to all the other other award ceremony obviously it's the people's choice so you can you can go cast your vote um, you think they, uh, you think raw wins wrestling fans are very active. They're very engaged. Yeah. I don't think they win, but, but, but what you just said, you're right though. Like you can be a fan of all these other shows, but you're just, you're just probably a fan. You just go about your life. Wrestling fans are so passionate. They, I mean, whenever, whenever a wrestler appears on, a, on another show as like a cameo, it always seems to spike the viewership and, and obviously wrestling fans are very active online. So, you know, voting online is a thing. So, I mean, I don't think, you know, when you put them up, I mean, when you put them up against all those other, you know, mega shows, I don't think they win. But just based on the fact that that volume and, and, and passion this maybe I mean, it, it would be ironic, too, wouldn't it? That wrestling fans would passionately come out of the woodwork to to vote so they can, you know, cause wrestling fans were very territorial. We don't you know we want acceptance. We, you know, we hate it when people, you know, shun down on wrestling and the fake sport. 
Uh, so wrestling fans will come out in the woodwork to defend their wrestling by voting for Raw, even though Raw is probably the number one show wrestling fans complain about. Man. So there's a great irony there. WWE Raw beats Stranger Things for best show. What a world. What a world we could live in. Uh, all yeah, right. In the year that Raw has some of its worst viewership, they win a, they win a people's choice award. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. Well, we'll wrap up the news here with a couple of AEW uh, items. The uh, Tallahassee Democrat uh, with an uh, with an update on AEW's missing world title situation, the Tallahassee Police Department recovered the belt yesterday morning after somebody turned it in at police headquarters. The person reported that they found the title belt along the side of the road. It was also noted that the title was valued at almost thirty thousand dollars. No arrests have been made at this time. I think what happened is somebody stole uh, Jericho's bag or something. Uh, they have this thing. You can't pawn it. It's obviously like putting a crosshairs on you. So what do you do? You pitch it. You get rid of it and keep whatever the $50 you found in you know Jericho's uh, belongings there and move on. Uh, I don't know that this guy, whoever it is, guy, woman, whatever, I don't know that they ever get found unless their fingerprints are like you know in their system and they're all over this title belt or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I think this was just a case of I did not know what I had and I uh, can't hold on to this. And they just got rid of it as quickly as possible. I would I would tend to agree with that scenario. Yeah, or whoever this person is that decided to do the right thing and turn it in got wind of what they had and was like, you know what, maybe I can turn this into a positive here. I'll be the good guy. So who knows? Uh, and uh, lastly, here from AEW, John Moxley is going to take on Kenny Omega finally at AEW's Full Gear pay per view after it got pulled. Uh, from the all-out pay-per-view after Moxley uh, was dealing with the MRSA staff infection in his elbow there. Big match here for the first pay-per-view. And it also, once TV starts, I think it's good that they have this pay-per-view so that they have uh, immediately something to build towards. And, you know, what bigger thing for you to start building towards than Moxley and Omega at this point, you know? 100% agree. It's great to be able to launch TV, having at least one thing already on paper to go to that's publicized. And of course, yeah, do the match that was, that was, you know, going to be the mid, a big money maker for you for uh, all out. Go ahead and do this for your first, um, you know, first paper, you know, first, I want to say secondary pay-per-view, but you know, now, you know, now we'll see them get into the first pay-per-view outside of the, the big one off shows they've done so far. So this is a, uh, uh, again, another good move by them. Andy Balnoski here for WrestlingInc.com with the legendary WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler here at Wrestling Under the Stars, Moosic, Pennsylvania. And uh, what a picturesque park this is, PNC Park. Jerry, what can we expect tonight? Yeah, well, it is a beautiful stadium, and it's no place better to be uh, on a beautiful, sunny afternoon. They call it Wrestling Under the Stars, but it's going to be Wrestling Under the Sun this afternoon. Pretty hot out here at PNC Park, but it is a beautiful stadium, and... Uh, uh, the only thing better would be if there was a ball game going on, but not. So anyway, there's going to be some great matches. Uh, we got a lot of uh, great talent on this card tonight. Guys from uh, uh, well, the local NEW uh, uh, promotion. You got guys from stars from AEW. You got stars from WWE. It's all come together, and uh, the promoter Michael Michael Lombardi has done a great job on this show, and a lot of people here. Yeah, and obviously uh, an Indians game would be better out here, probably yeah, most right. likely, right? Yeah. We got this right here. Checking out the Indians and the Yankees game right now <laughs> as we speak. Yeah, this is a triple-A of the Yankees, and uh, it's certainly uh, recently Raw Reunion. It's such a special show, bringing everyone back together, USA Network. What's your favorite Raw moment ever, if you had to pick one? Oh, my gosh. So many. Yeah, you know, you know what? This is an unbelievable fact. Uh, when I was on Raw, uh, on the Raw Reunion, that made my 1,000th appearance on Monday Night Raw. I've been on more Raws than anybody, including Vince McMahon. Wow. So that's amazing. 
So and, and so now you're going to ask me to pick out my favorite moment <laughs> from all those Raws. Uh, you know what? I, I think maybe probably without a doubt one of my favorite moments was when I came back from uh, when I had the cardiac arrest and I was gone for a few weeks and to get to come back and JR and Michael Cole greeted me back on the show. That was that was probably the most emotional and most fun moment ever. Uh, it's certainly destiny is destiny. You're the strongest man in wrestling without a question. And uh, you know, uh, the destiny playing out, uh, unfortunate tragedy, King Harley Race passing away. Uh, obviously the kings of wrestling, King Terry Lawler, King Harley Race. Uh, your memories of, of Harley Race. Well, you know, I, I wrestled Harley many times back in the, oh gosh, maybe the late 70s and early 80s, probably the late 70s. I wrestled Harley Race when he was the NWA World Champion a bunch of times down at the Mid-South Coliseum. I remember one historic match. Uh, we came in, I don't know what happened anyway, we finally had a one hour time limit and it was a draw. We wrestled for the entire hour, nobody won. And, and uh, anytime you can spend an hour in the ring with somebody like Harley Race, it was a learning experience and it was, uh, uh, created some memories that'll never go away. He was a cool. He was uh, a great champion and uh, and a pretty cool guy. Yeah, well, he'll be sorely missed, no doubt about it. And speaking of kings, the King of the Ring tournament coming back. How cool is that to have that come back finally? It's such a launching pad for somebody's careers. Well, yeah, if you want to look at it that way, I being one of the original kings, not King of the Ring, but you know, if you remember when they had very had the very first King of the Ring tournament. That's, when I, that's what made me show up in the WWE, because I was a little PO'd about it. And I still am, to be honest with you. You know, it's, it's, it's so easy to win a couple of matches and slide a crown on yourself and call yourself the king of the ring. I've been doing this 49 years to earn there it is, baby. This crown right there it here, is, you know? the crown. Yeah, for them to have just a one night or two night tournament and cost them out the king, uh, I'm not too crazy about it. But it is, like you said, it's uh, they use it strictly as a opportunity to, to help promote somebody and put somebody in the spotlight, which in that respect, I understand, so I can't be too upset about it. I won't, I won't do, you know, I, I promised them that I wouldn't go in the ring and, and spoil the uh, coronation of the new king. Yeah, and obviously we get back to your fans here at Northeast Wrestling. Wrestling under the stars tonight here in Moosewick, Pennsylvania is, you know, obviously famous for your, your artwork. And if you had to draw the perfect picture underneath the lights, in the ring, what would that be in wrestling history? Oh gosh, I think I already did that as far as my career goes and as far as wrestling goes, that moment with Andy Kaufman. I mean, that was 35 years ago. People still talk about it today. People still making movies about it. Andy Kaufman was such a such a unique individual and such a big star at the time that that, uh, that made a moment in wrestling history that I don't think will ever be recreated or ever be forgotten. Uh, I think that moment, involving Hollywood, Andy Kaufman wrestling, opened up the doors to it being world wrestling entertainment. Uh, you know, we started bringing in the Hollywood types and getting now, now you got now you got wrestlers crossing over and being movie stars and everything. So anyway, uh, yeah, I think that would be my, my biggest moment. Speaking of some of my moments, I want to plug real quick if I can. I have a brand new YouTube channel, Jerry Lawler, Jerry Lawler official uh, YouTube channel. So. I want you all to go right now and subscribe to it. We're going to be getting new stuff up there all the time. New and old. A lot of my great old Memphis footage that a lot of people have been looking for forever is going to be on that channel. Awesome. Jerry the King Lauer, last question right here. Getting you to the fans here at Northeast Wrestling is obviously a huge thing coming up. 
SmackDown on Fox, yeah. you're a huge part of that as well. Uh, where's the future going? Obviously competition's a great thing, AEW coming in as well. Uh, tell us about that with, with Fox coming up. Well, as far as where it's going, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, like I said, I've been around this business a long time, forgot more about wrestling than most people ever know. <laughs> but it's still, at this point in time, and in, in the way uh, uh, social media is, and the way TV is, who knows what the future is going to be? I think a lot of it, as you see with the WWE Network, I think a lot of it's going to be in the streaming video. There's a people people just don't watch TV the same way today as they yeah. did 10 years ago. So things are constantly changing. That's one of the old sayings I learned a long time ago. There's nothing nothing sure in life except change. And uh, who knows how the WWE and the, the wrestling business will be changing in the future. I hope, I hope it's going to be good for me and you. That's right. Jerry the King Lawler, WWE Hall of Famer here in Moosick, Pennsylvania. Final message to the fans. Final message to the fans. Um, have a good day, you know. <laughs> Jerry, thank you so much. All right, man. Take your time. Thank, thank you so much. What's inspired you to come to this point with who you are in professional wrestling, with the way you're perceived in the, to the wider audience, to your fan base? What are the things throughout your career and throughout your life that you draw inspiration from? Uh, the movie Fast Five. Uh-huh. How did you feel about Hobbs and Shaw? It was not as good as Fast Five, but it was good. What's your favorite part of Fast Five? Uh, the Rock. Um, why did why did you make your name Orange Cassidy instead of like Banana Cassidy or Red Cassidy? I don't know. And also, can you put me through what Tommy Dreamer had to get through? I would never do that to a child. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite flavor of orange juice? Orange. Favorite brand? I mean, excuse me. Sorry. I don't know. Pulp or no pulp? Some pulp. Couple more guys. How's your? Uh, what's your sneak game like? Are those the only ones you got, or you got a couple more? I don't know. Will you work more with Leva Bates? I'm excited to see that again. I don't know who that is. The librarian. The girl one. I don't know. What's the last book you read? I don't read. Do you play Pokemon? No. What do you What do you do in your spare time? Nothing. You lay down in bed and do nothing? You know it. Fans have really seemed to like you and take to you over the uh, last couple of years. Uh, do you have a, or what do you think about the connection that you have with the fans? I don't know. All right, guys, thank you. You were the guy that brought me into the Cruiserweight fandom of everything. Like, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgive you because I, I like the dynamic of you just being serious and like having that ice bin mentality that I had no idea or jokes for either. So, no. um, but all the schools are me out. But what uh, what when re- you wrestled some big guys? How was that for an adaption and, and going for that? And is there any like big guys in particular that kind of stood out to you when you wrestled them? And what would what would stand out to you as a as a wrestler to try to make that adjustment and everything? Well, the biggest thing is they hit harder. Yeah. No. Um, you know, just try to have a different mindset when you're wrestling. Somebody taller weighs more than you. Uh, try to ground him so because when you're on the ground, you kind of come the same size as a smaller guy. So I try to cut a guy down as much as I can and put him on my level, so to speak, and uh, try to deal with it the best I can. Dean, with you having been in WCW and they were on TNT, it was the Monday Night Wars. Now AEW is going to be on TNT, and there's another show going on at the same time. 
what kind of expertise do you think you can bring as someone who was there when this kind of thing has happened before in the past? Like, what can you bring to that? Well, what I can bring to that is try to get talent not to worry about it. <laughs> you know, go out there and just work the best they can. Put on a great show. If you do that, you'll always be fine. You always got to worry about somebody behind you, or you got to worry about a competitor all the time. You're worried about somebody else more than you're worried about your own. So I think uh, I can help them guide in that direction. And when you look at All Out as a card tomorrow night, like what match are you excited for the most as a fan to kind of sit and watch? Like what match do you think could steal the show? Um, well, all of them. I think it's some great, you know, uh, some great matches. Unfortunately, the stuff with Moxley, but you know, things will happen, injuries will happen. Um, I'm looking forward for all of them. You said during the Q and A that you were not in this sport for uh, the championship. So um, necessarily in the night Chris Benoit said what he said to you. So what, what is your major driving motivation throughout your career? What has that been? Going out and having good matches and just having fun and wrestling my friends or, you know, wrestling in a crowd that's really hot. Like all, all the time we've always had, you know, wrestling in Chicago. Um, nice plug. Um, just going out and having good matches and just enjoying what I do. And, you know, reaping benefits of, of what I've done for the last 20, 30 years. Something that uh, didn't get brought up during the, the panel was uh, your time as, like, the James Bond, like, ladies' man in the WWE. And you had to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I had to bring it up. I wanted to get your just thoughts on it and, like, how did that, like, come to be kind of deal? I don't know how it came to be. I think it was a joke that just kept running. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun for me, though, because there's something. It was, it was way, a way for me to kind of step out of my character or the character that I don't have. Um, and it was fun, you know, with all the stuff with Lita, we had a, we had a blast and, and with Matt and Jeff. And, and it was, again, something different that I, don't, I haven't done before. And so it was a, I took it as a challenge and went out and tried to do the best I could with it. Yeah. 20, almost 20 years ago, you and Chris Jericho were kind of at the same time wrestling. Now here we are, and Jericho's in the main event. You're behind the scenes doing stuff. You guys are both still heavily involved. When you look at Jericho now, he's still kind of at the top of his game at this point. What do you attribute that to? Like, what is it about Jericho that he's been able to have such a longevity on top? Good vitamins and uh, good night creams on his face. <laughs> no. um, Chris is a, uh, I said this before, Chris is a go-getter. You know, he's, he's, he's involved with so many things. He's got his hands in everything. You know, from writing books to his, you know, to Fozzie. And he's got a podcast and he keeps himself young by constantly keeping active and keeping moving all the time. Uh, Chris always loves what he does. You know, he's always going out. I mean, Chris's biggest thing, and I think it's the biggest part of the success, is that he always reinvents himself. He reinvents himself at the right time, at the right moment. And he understands the audience. He understands what they like, what they want, what they, you know, what they're looking at. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why he's still around today. He's still doing a great job. My bad. Sorry about that. You mentioned you're, uh, you've been close to Cody since his time in WWE. With what we've seen so far with his match coming up with Sean Spears, uh, what are your thoughts on what we've seen so far, the idea of bringing Tully in, you know, what do you think of what we've seen so far from him in AEW? I love it. I think some of the storytelling that we've, that we've been doing, and we're not even on TV yet, has been awesome. You know, they've done a great job, especially Cody with his social media the way it is. Um, and just, I mean, the whole story, the whole the whole build, you know, Sean Spears, there's a guy that, we, that wasn't done with much where he just came from, and now he feels like a star all of a sudden. And I think, you know, I can't wait to get to TV and keep more of that going and Cody's been doing an awesome job with everything. There's been a lot Oh, sorry. Uh, there's been a lot made of the differences in style between something like AEW compared to a WWE style and having been on the road with them for 18 years. How excited are you to kind of dive in with what AEW is doing, bringing more of that sport-based athleticism to the sport of professional wrestling or bringing it back a little bit? Well, I think it's closer to what I do and what I'm known known for. And uh, I love challenges put in front of me. 
uh, that feels like it's, just, it's a fresh start after so many years and being 59 years old, 59 young years old, and um, give me an opportunity to work with a bunch of a whole new crew of guys that are really hungry to get and make a name for themselves and be a part of history. You've been a producer for years, sort of with talent and stuff on a live television show, and now with AEW getting a live television show in October, like are, are there a couple of things maybe that for you you'd like to see maybe change that could be better uh, to adapt when AEW was TNT? Um, not better. I think you know a lot of my experience will be to help Cody out and help these young guys out get adjusted to TV. TV is a whole different animal than it is when you're doing a live event with non television, is uh, because you have a little more luxury of. You know, you don't have the commercials built into it where TV you do. So your matches are chopped up a little bit. And just having the guy, and you're dealing with time, because you have commercials and you have a time, a time span that you gotta, you got to reach when you're doing an 8 to 10 show. You have to be off the air at a certain time. So uh, I'm, I'm here to kind of help these guys learn how to do that to, you know, and instruct them the best way to do that. At the same time, do that and get over and try to get themselves recognized with this new audience that we got coming. You had the Q and A. You mentioned uh, that you were going to your time in all Japan. You kind of dealt with tag teams, time in New Japan Junior Heavyweights. Can you talk about working with a younger roster that maybe didn't learn to steal and learn the different worldwide ways to make a chicken, like you mentioned, and how you can kind of help them come along in that process? Yeah, just my just my vast experience. I've been doing it for so many years, and I, I, I can help guide these guys. I know one thing that uh, Tony Khan really wants to stress going forward is is tag team wrestling. Uh, I've had the luxury of working with my brother's tag partner, Chris Benoit, um, and a couple other guys here. There, Chris and my brother are probably the two mainstays that had as tag partners. But I was involved with tag matches for a long time, and I think we're just exciting. I'm more excited than a single match done the right way. I think just looking at the roster now that we have. And, and some couple tag teams that are out there that hopefully we can pull into this company at one point. There's some great talented tag teams out there and really looking forward to working with all those guys. Thank you all for uh, tuning in and uh, sticking with me here this week. Uh, some of you really seem to like this uh, scraggly voice, even asking me to do it more often. Um, it really hurts, so I probably won't. But I did it at three shows this week, all for you guys. Uh, it's been a blast. We have even more content from StarCast, even more interviews I've done from the studio here uh, to roll out next week. And, of course, the news never stops, so I'm sure it'll be a busy week next week as well. Uh, um, Justin, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show today? Again, I want to mention, uh, if you can be, if you can if anywhere, if you can get to Wheeling Island Casino, Wheeling Island, West Virginia on September 13th, it's going to be a great show for IWC Wrestling. Uh, Wardlow, obviously big name, uh, popping up now, going to AEW. Uh, he'll be there. Uh, Kevin Nash will be doing a meet and greet. You'll be able to see Kevin. Uh, so again, Wheeling Island Casino, watch some wrestling, hang out, gamble, maybe stay the night. They got a great hotel there. Uh, so join us September 13th. If you want to see more details, go to IWCWrestling.com. Wardlow and Kevin Nash. That's a lot of man meat. It's a lot of man those two that is a lot of men a lot of man big men uh and uh, if you like the show you like all of our audio uh go over to the wrestling inc itunes channel leave a five-star rating leave a nice comment all that stuff is always appreciated i am at wink rebel over on twitter thank you so much for tuning in and remember if you winked you didn't miss it <laughs>